Welcome to the 70th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, were you a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles growing up? Um, not a big fan. I feel like sometimes I would watch the, the cartoon version, but it was not one of the top tier cartoons I would watch. What would you rank the turtles in order of the of the four turtles? Like who's number oh, one oh and who's gosh. last place? I I honestly do not remember the different turtles that well. I feel That's like crazy, dude. <laughs> you got Leonardo. Uh, he's the he's the leader. You got Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. He's the orange one, the the crazy party guy. You got Raphael guy, in yeah, red. I remember that one who's angry and angsty and super hardcore. You got purple guy, Donatello, who was like nerdy, geeky inventor guy. Okay. Red guy's probably bottom tier. I don't know about the other three. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> that Raphael's the worst one. I think <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I go. I always like Leonardo because he also had the swords. He had the double katanas. And I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. And at least like, Raphael got size, but I also hated Mike a- Michelangelo too because he got stupid nunchucks. Yeah, the nunchucks. Like, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Come on, find a cooler <laughs> weapon. There's so many cool weapons. Why do you got nunchucks? Hmm. You know. Do you think they'll ever make like oh. turtle fighters and flesh? They should. They should do a collaboration, flesh and blood, where you get to play as one of the turtles. They're your hero. There's so many cool like uh, collaborate. They could do a Street Fighter collaboration down the line where you could play Ryu. Once, <laughs> what, like, what would they call these collaborations? Secret fair. It's the it's like uh, it's an Aria fair, <laughs> but it's secret. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is going to happen all. in twenty <laughs> when twenty five years from now when LSS sells its soul. Eventually, we'll get these sweet collaborations. Yeah, I. I... I guess, I mean, we've already had the first collaboration, right? The the thing with the professor, and I guess we have oh, the thing right. with Rudy also. That's, yeah, that's fair. But like, there those aren't those are just like people collaboration. Those aren't like IP collaborations, you know? Sure, sure. Although if they wanted the game yeah, to take off in Japan, like I don't know, do like a Full Metal Alchemist collaboration, get an Edward Elric floating around. As an speaking, alchemist. Speaking of taking off in Japan, I heard that their battle hardened sold out in like one hour. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that's so fast. Going bananas in Japan, dude. It's like I'm so hyped to play in Japan sometime next year. I hope it's doable for me, and uh, they're scheduling it sometime in the summer. That that would that would be ideal, but we'll see. I asked I asked Casey if she would go to Pro Tour Japan if it happens, and she said. Probably not. So, not even that Japan. It's okay. You and I can go to Japan. Go have a good time. Yeah, you can call me Onesama the whole time. Or Onichan. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Onesama is, I think, big sister. Yeah, yeah. You, but Onichan's little brother. Onesama. <laughs> that one. I don't. I think it's just San. Onesama is like master. Or sensei. Uh, I haven't I watched a lot of anime lately. So, it's, it's, it's Sama, I think Sama is a, like a lot of respect for like someone in like higher power than you or something. And San is just like respect to like an older sibling. That that checks out. I that think. checks out. 
And then Chan is like cute okay. younger sibling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. are we talking about Japan this whole episode? No, no, that's, that's probably Japan? top lessons learned about uh, Japan. <laughs> I don't know enough about Japan to do this. I haven't learned very much about it. I've watched enough yeah. anime to maybe know. Hopefully, got got that correct, but not even confident there. So, I watched like there's like a really good like 20 minute YouTube video about this guy who did like the history of Japan. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll put that in the description. But it's really it was really funny. I forget it's called, called like the entire history of Japan. And then the next video, he said the whole history of like existence. I, I have to find that video. It was a good video. Hey, we are going to talk about Japan the whole episode. Yeah, I just the biggest thing I remember is that Genghis Khan or the Mongols tried to invade and then they all died in like a tsunami trying to come over to invade Japan. And then they tried again and they died in a tsunami again. And then Japan was just safe from the Mongols because they're their little <laughs> island. Nice. Some good tsunamis going on. Sometimes. So, <laughs> so when this episode airs, the band announcement should be out, right? Since we're recording yeah, this. Yeah, it's crazy that they early. that they banned X, Y, and Z, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't. We don't know what that is because it's September thirteenth as we're recording this. Yeah. So I'm either happy that Lexi is being toned down. Or they're going to Living Legend her before Worlds somehow. Or I'm sad that I'm probably playing Luxia Worlds again. We'll see. You guys will already I know. I think the ultimate. But... I think the biggest, the more I think about it, the biggest risk to not like this whole like, oh, she'll Living Legend 100% before Worlds. Well, like what happens if she briars herself and like the, before the next band and it's suspended announcement before Worlds, she's at 998. That's like <laughs> the worst outcome, right? Like that's like actually atrocious. Yeah. We, we, we've been debating pretty actively that we want some Lexi bands in the Discord today. Yeah, there was a lot of discussion going on because, like, I think Lexi hasn't actually been the best deck for, like, longer than Starvo was the best deck or longer than Chain was the best deck. But it's the first time we've seen one deck, like, dominate the pro scene for so long where, like, when Starver was the best deck, the only pro event that he was legal at was PT1. And then he was Living Legend before PT2. So at PT2, we saw the Briar and Prisms taking over the format where those were probably the best two decks with Briar having an edge in that matchup. And then we saw Prism Living Legend, which opened up the door for Ice Lander and Oldheim to show up and beat up the Briars. So at Nationals and Worlds, we had the Ice Lander Oldheim as probably the top two decks with Fi not far behind and Briar still showing up, but probably being below those three. But yeah. now we've had PT3 where Lexi was the known best deck four going Lexi's. into it. Lexi was four Lexis in the top eight. And then yeah. Lexi was the highest represented in top 16, top 32, all the metrics by like a significant margin. Um, she's very good. <laughs> and yeah. then she got the Bullseye Bracers band, which was a slight slap in the wrist. Like, we'll, 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 we'll nerf you a little bit, Lexi. We'll, we'll make you, instead of being the best deck by a lot, now you're the best deck by slightly less, but still a lot. <laughs> so yeah. then National showed up, got here. Lexi still kind of crushed National season. She had like four times more wins than the next highest winning hero. I think almost five times more wins. So... Um, I saw numbers floating around and like compared to like last year, like old him won like uh, a good portion of nationals, 
but like Lexi won even more nationals than Oldham did this time last year, where it's just like, okay, well, if after that national season, they banned, they did their first hard bans uh, on Oldham, they banned Pulse of Eisenloft and, and uh, what else? What else was taken away from it at that point? Was there anything takes away with Pulse? I remember was Pulse, Pulse was legal at nationals? One. I don't remember. I don't remember the timing of all these things, but regardless, and then already... he was still too good, and and then they banned Winter's Whale, and then he's still Living Legend, and I'm so tired of people saying like, "Oh, if you ban something, she'd be." Um, I think there are so many good builds of Lexi out there that people just don't explore because they're not as good as like this current build. But I think an ice version of Lexi, perfectly fine. I think a Bolton shot with uh or snapshot death dealer lex like i think there are builds of lexi that are good enough to get her to living legend still for the people who like and enjoy playing lexi a lot and the but i guess there's no point because at the end of the day by the time people are hearing this rant lss and everybody in the entire world has made up their mind and decisions about what has been banned and what hasn't been banned so you know ultimately it is what it is we'll see we'll see so let's get into the main topic. We got some lessons. So uh, the reason why we're also recording in advance is Michael celebrating a birthday. He has a giant, big celebration birthday that's multiple days and festivities. And there's parties and bonanzas and the whole carnival comes to town. It's a whole event. And Michael has <laughs> a birthday, so he doesn't have time to record podcasts next week. Yeah, uh, that, that is that is true. So. Except the whole being a whole carnival, I think it's just like uh, a chunk of my friends, a few people flying in, some family and friends flying in, and a lot of people driving in from other parts of Indiana and running three days of games and celebrations, and um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a good time. I'm looking forward to it a lot. But yeah, well, thank you for given that you are with about me to recording tr- early. Yeah, no problem. Given that you're about to turn what, 29, 28, 29? Uh, 29, yes. Yeah. You need to reflect on this past year so you, you could enjoy the last year of your youth to the fullest. So we're going to look back on all the important life and flesh and blood lessons you've, you and I have learned over the past year. I, I don't know if 29 is a, a big benchmark, but I always get a little reflexive around my birthday. So I, I thought this would be a cool topic to do. So yeah, you're going to turn 30 and then it's just going to be all downhill from there. It's just, it's just, you just, everything just starts going downhill from there, buddy. So enjoy it. No, that's just life. How it goes. Well, so it's the first thing you learned uh, in, in your past year, in your twenties. So first, well, this is, these are flesh and blood specific, but I guess this doesn't, this could apply outside of flesh and blood, but I'm cur- thinking of it in a flesh and blood context, but, uh, don't be afraid to try crazy things. So when I first started playing, I think I would go outside of like what people would consider typical for decks a little bit. I played Oldheim in the Briar metagame, but that was just like kind of just play your winner's whale, give Briar Frostbites. Briar really didn't want Frostbites in the mono red deck. Um, then Starvo, I like... I took out Awakening, but it was just like Starvo, but more old timey. It wasn't that crazy. And then 
nationals was coming up and i i built the the attack action icelander and i thought this was like kind of wild and outside of like i don't know everyone was just putting all the arcane spells in their icelander deck and i'm like this is crazy but i'm gonna try it and it actually ended up being really really good and then this year at nationals also we saw the charles dunn's version of fatigue briar that kind of out of nowhere it's just like this thing seems like it could be good on paper even though it's very different from what anyone else is doing you're just having all your blue non-attacks that block for four a lot of the time and playing crown of seeds just doing something powerful but not in a way that really um has been done before or i guess i, I shouldn't say it hasn't been done before people have uh nathan crawford kind of like pioneered this block four attack for seven or block with two cards for a attack for seven version of briar but uh, Charles Dunn really like kind of perfected the deck and used it to take down uh, U.S. Nationals. And I guess don't be afraid to try ideas. If they look good on paper, try them, experiment. Maybe maybe you'll need to tune from there. But there's there's a lot of really strong stuff that you can do in this game that, and it's not all it's not solved. That's for sure. That's interesting because it's basically so. I my point that I learned is that flesh and blood is hard, and I have a couple of sub notes in this lesson, which is, uh, well, it's too hard for me right now. Can't put in the time. That's why I'm retiring. Uh, if if somebody will hire me as caster, I'd happily do that instead. And uh, the second note I said, also, despite knowing that Lexi is the best deck, I didn't pull the trigger on learning the deck or registering her once, which is just a mistake. And coincidentally, you pulled the trigger on re- learning and registering deck Lexi for Nationals and the Pro Tour and did very well in both of those events. I, like a big dumb dumb, well, old him wasn't that much of a big dumb dumb mistake, but like I, I still look back and think like Lexi was a better deck in that, but I think it was at least comparable back then. But for Nationals, like I was just a big dumb dumb for not registering. Like it was, it was almost inexcusable of me to like not pivot uh i kind of got hyped with the wolf pack on the unification and then just kind of kept riding that train uh but i think leading up to the tournament as once again we were in an airport going to the event and you were just bashing my face in time and time and time and time and time i was just like am i really doing this again is this really my life that like i'm just playing a deck that's so bad that like i'm going like one in 30 before the tournament and this is the deck i'm registering uh, but that that's that's what happened, and then uh, the, the 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 note under that then also along these lines is I think testing on the Wolfpack skews my expectations for uh, events and other players in the world, and I think that's where the disconnect comes <laughs> from you and I sometimes as well, where we're just like Lexi's broken, like what are we, like we like we're just getting beaten in the face day in day out by Michael Fung and and Brody Spurlock and just like all these other amazing players on the team. And it's just like, Oh, okay, cool. We have, we have the best players in the world, like almost just like objectively and getting, if whatever decks they're playing are just usually going to be the best decks and losing some time and time and time and time again, is just like so demoralizing, even if it's like good practice, but at the same time, it's just like nobody else in the world is having this experience. You know, no, like they're not testing with everybody <laughs> all around the world at the same time. That's just not how any of the, I, I kind of a little bit as they travel to other, all the battle hearts that they win, but still like 
<laughs> I, I just think it just skews my expectations for like events and players a little too much. So those are like, that's the flesh and blood is hard in a nutshell. Yeah. I, I do think we do get a different experience. Like that's actually kind of jumping to one of my other lessons is how valuable being on a team is. But um, to talk about your point some more, I think that playing against the best players, playing the best decks, it it's it's hard to, it, it really makes you have to have a very solid strategy into those decks to be able to feel good about what you're playing, I guess. So. And like, I wonder what the skill cap on the 20 player Wolfpack team is compared to like the people on the LSS testing and like develop, like are our reps on our team better and more conclusive as to like the two strengths and like weaknesses of a format than like their internal development. Like I know they have a lot of really good players over there and I'm not knocking them or, or saying things, but like, that's just how high I regard the, the the wolf pack in my mind. And just like our results have shown time and time again, like we just have the best players in the game. Like just, yeah. Who just travel around every weekend doing this every weekend. I don't know. I, I do think our testing is probably more like, it's probably better than the development team, but we have like a lot of advantages. First, I think we probably have more people than the number of people actively testing the classic constructed format and the LSS team. I'm not positive if that's true, but I know it's like a smaller team. I don't know if they have 18 to 20 people play testing CC games most days. Um, I guess we don't have that every day, but we do have a, we do have a pretty big team. Um, up to the other events, thing is we have like, it's a solid two months before big, like, I guess eight, it's closer to like eight, six to eight weeks before leading up to events. It's like that many people on every day, but I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And then the other thing is we have the advantage of like all the other work that has come out for tournaments before we start. So before we're testing. So like if we were testing, let's say for Worlds last year or let's say Worlds this year, then we have all the work that all the other people have put into Lexi leading up to this point. We have access to Isaac Kroot's Canadian national champion Lexi list. We have Yuki's that she won the calling in Las Vegas with. We have all the Lexi decks that have existed since Lexi got her outsider support of Codex and Infectious Infecting Shot and all the other good cards she got. And LSS didn't have, like they don't have any data outside of internal testing when they're creating the sets other than like the, the metagame from what would be six to eight months before whatever they're working on is coming out. So it's, I think their testing is limited by that. And then like, if they're testing just for, for band stuff now, like bright lights, everything in bright lights has been done for a while. Like they, they haven't like, it's way too late for them to be adding or changing cards. And it. it wouldn't surprise me if the next set's like pretty close to done already too. I, I don't know how far in advance they work, but it has to be like reasonably far to get everything to the, the printers in time. So I think I would be surprised they're not like, on the tail end of the next set already after bright lights. And because of that, they won't know how all the bright lights cards are playing and what the meta decks are in the bright lights format when they're testing the next set against bright light stuff. So it's like, like they'll have ideas from their own testing, but they don't get the same benefits that we do. If we just like have last weekend's results that are 
relevant to the format we're testing. That's fair. Kind of yeah, went off. For I should have just played like C. That. And since I didn't play like um, C, I lost a bunch. And since I lost a bunch, I'm a caster now, anyways. So it's, it all cascades. I I do think it's rough because if I I think because of your limited time availability, basically like I I was I was pretty comfortable on Briar. I thought I was playing Briar until like a week before the tournament. And then I was like, I can't play Briar. Briar can't beat Lexi at the Le- or can't consistently beat Lexi's if the Lexi's are knowing what they're doing and playing well. And their deck is, I don't think our deck was even like really tuned for Briar specifically. It was just like a good build of Lexi. And because of that, I, I kind of had that week of time to like switch to Lexi, get a million games in, go to all the, the team Lexi discussions that were happening because like half the team was on Lexi talking about Lexi stuff. And I, that was kind of what got me to pull the trigger was so many people on the team were planning to play Lexi. And there was a big meeting like the, the Tuesday night before nationals where mm-hmm. they went through, they talked for like two or three hours about Lexi stuff. And I felt like I got really caught up from that. So yeah. I, and I had surgery that week. Was that the week I had surgery too? I had uh, oral surgery. Yeah, I think so. Because I remember we had, or it might have been that's the why week. you were free on Tuesday nights, because, or it might have been the week after, but it was sometime around there. I, it was sometime around me getting surgery and starting law school in that whole two weeks leading up to nationals. Yeah. Next lesson. What do you got? Okay, so I wrote down teamwork makes the dream work. But, um, basically, it's kind of like we we had talked about this a little bit. The value of just being on a good team. Um, leading into or before we joined the Wolfpack, which was actually more than a year ago, but I think this year has really like shown me how how useful it is because um, for PT1, I had a chain deck that I was pretty happy with, had a very small testing group, and uh, that's a whole other story, but had a deck that I was happy with. I think I did reasonably well at the tournament, but because our testing group was so small, that the three meta decks were kind of chain starvo and prism and of the like five people in our testing team no one was planning to play prism none of us were working on prism i did not get any reps into a good prism and basically because of that i ended up losing to prism twice at pt1 and then also almost lost to ian zhang in the last round through him having like an ip4 and ip5 or something so <laughs> uh it was rough. Um, not having not having reps, not having a good strategy going into the matchup. I think that was a, a big part of that was not being on a team. And then this year I've had that team for me. I've had the Wolfpack. I've been on we've been on the Wolfpack like 15 months or so now, 16 months, something like that. And it's so different. If I need games into any hero, there's almost always someone on the team that's planning to play that hero. You just reach out to them, you're like, hey, I, I really need reps of this matchup. And if not, there's like even if they're playing, not planning to play that hero for the event, there's probably someone on the team that's been working on that hero reasonably actively because even if, like, most people are working on at least a few heroes while they're still deciding what they're playing at the event. So um, you can get games into all the all the meta decks against high-quality players that are going to play very well, challenge you, and you're going to have to find a good plan to be able to beat them consistently. Mm-hmm. Um. That's fair. That's one of one of the big benefits. And the other big benefit, you kind of talked about this. I pivoted to Lexi last minute for both Nationals and PT3. And 
because my team was just working on Lexi, I was able to spend time working on these other decks. Um, maybe I find something that breaks the format open like Bolander did. Maybe I don't. And these last two events, I didn't find anything good enough, in my opinion. So I was just like, help. I, I don't know what to do. I don't have a deck. And they're like, here, this Lexi deck's very good. Come play Lexi. Here's here's the deck. And they talked me through some sideboard stuff. And because of that, I was just able to essentially last minute switch to Lexi for two events in a row. So you look at that. You're a smart guy playing Lexi. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about Lexi a lot this episode. She's very good. Yeah. I'm ready We're for her to talk about her more. Because okay, my second lesson, uh, Tales of Aria is the best in every metric available set of flesh and blood ever. It's the best power level wise. It's the best limited wise. It's the best art wise. It's the best flavor wise. It's the best mechanic wise. It's got everything. It is almost objectively a, like a perfect flesh and blood set. If, if you can excuse it, just also being like obscenely more powerful than everything else. Yeah. I, especially if you look at it in <laughs> it, it, the context it, it, of Briar's original, like hero ability, you know? Yeah. I think Oldheim didn't really become the powerhouse that he was until he got stalagmite. But I mean, even then he was like, even before he was still very good. And then <laughs> yeah, but I, I played against like 10 Briars in that event. And that was like my, the, the one matchup that the deck was <laughs> yeah. built to be in <laughs> the like 15 yeah. rounds. I played like 10 of them were Briar. Um, That's fair. I think it actually was 10. I think I played against one, no, two Bravos, two Chains. Okay. And the rest Briar. Uh, yeah, but Voltaire is a busted weapon. Uh, Winter's Whale, busted weapon. Duskblade, busted weapon. Like, uh, the art, like, like I've, I've, I've shown this off before, but like, look at this card. Look at, look at it. Can you see it? I, can you see this? This is beautiful. This is like obscene. I can't believe they would like, put this <laughs> on a flesh and blood card it's like crazy it's beautiful it's the what it's like it's like one of the most beautiful things i've seen and i have a wife and a one-year-old baby boy and like this is this is pretty close this is this is pretty close to those two uh beauties that's all i'm gonna say you know yeah i i also think the limited format um the draft was pretty good i think with Honorado Briar and Lexi being a little bit weak, I think the draft format honestly wasn't my favorite balance wise, but like the flexibility of being able to take the elemental cards, take the class cards and 15 card packs and most of the cards in the set being like reasonably playable. And even the bad ones, like were like, at least they blocked two. Um, no yeah. memorial grounds. <laughs> um yeah, so I, I, thought, I do think... like I guess like when I say it's the best limited, that's what I was talking about. Like the drafting experience, like was just it was just it's it's so good. Uh, the gameplay is a little hit hit or miss, but like I think that's just true of all limited formats of all flesh and blood so far, regardless of Tales of Aria or not. There's just they're just like as we saw in Monarch, incredibly swingy. Welcome to Wraith, I guess, is probably the closest to just being like kind of just like baseline, very skill intensive um and maybe outsiders, really like outsiders as well so a little bit but outsiders um 
had its own problems with like as far as like the balancing of the format as in a whole and just kind of like it was closer to welcome wraith as a, in like a vacuum but i think there was still something to be desired as far as like the balancing of all the heroes because like in welcome to wraith it's never a mistake to draft like one of the heroes like all four heroes are well, like the heroes not open it is sure <laughs> but like and outsiders, like it's almost always an objective mis- mistake to draft, like go for a Riptide deck, like when you're drafting, right? Like, why? Like, why would you ever? Uh, do that? I I don't know if that's true. I think like it takes a different approach to draft Riptide, and you're still gonna you're gonna have some like like I think the ceiling of the best Riptide decks are not. The best decks, but if Riptide's open and you have a good Riptide deck, you're gonna beat most medium decks. Hmm. I don't know. I just think like he was just so vulnerable to people fat decking, especially like the assassins with all their three blocks. They're just like, yeah, whatever, block, and I still have a weapon, and you don't. So I'll still win in long game anyways. Yeah, play pattern played out a lot. Yeah, I I admittedly did not draft a ton of Riptide, and I don't think he was amazing, especially like given that the way that. At least I, I would prefer to draft Assassin. I think most of the team ended up on a similar in a similar spot where like we ended up playing our Assassins relatively defensively with like I guess we kind of played Assassins and Ninjas these defensively, but um valuing yeah. like peace of mind and the the red the red traps that were the Assassin slash Ranger hybrid cards pretty highly. Sure. So Wait, let's let's get let's, let's stop talking about this though. Nobody cares about mobile outsides. We're talking about the best objective flesh and blood set <laughs> of all time now so back to tales of aria we got we got oldheim living legend briar living legend lexi about to be living legend all like it's going to be the first set of mono living legend heroes and like they haven't even come to printing another one of their types except for a different elemental guardian which is already living legend so <laughs> like it's there- just like it's so good They've also printed uh, an elemental wizard that is also quite close to Living Legend as well. There you go. So, uh, I think like it's just been objectively proven that it's just the best set at this point. Um, I think the only thing that you the best in terms of knock it for a little bit is like Corsham sucks as like a fable, but like sure that's fine. You know, fables can suck, but like. Almost every single card, like I like, there are some mopey cards in here, but like almost every single card, I'm I'm just having the set list up at the moment. Like there's just like banger after banger. We got Awakening, we got Frostlock, we got Pulse of Eisenlast and all the pulses. We got Channel Mount Heroic, we got Force in Nature, we got Channel Lake Frigid. Like it's just like Bramble Spark, Rites of Replenishment, Stir the Wildwood. Like it's, it's just so good, top to bottom, all of it. All of it. It's just so good. Crown of Seeds. Look at this card. Look at that. Do you remember Crown of Seeds? Remember, remember that yeah, card? They, remember Blizzard? I'm trying. Look at these cards. I'm, thinking, I'm trying to think of the names of a bunch of the arrows that don't see play because they say elemental on them instead of just being fuseless. Um, those cards were kind we of frazzle. Misses, but... We got Cold Wave. We got Snapshot. We got Blizzard <laughs> Bolt. We got Buzz Bolt. We got Chilling Ice Vein. We got Dazzling Crescendo. We got Flake Out. And we got Lighted Up. Yeah. I think those cards didn't end up being like they're fine, but most of Lexi's power comes from her 
bow and new horizons and her hero power the, the three of those in combination is just and then like, all the cards she got in outsiders quite yeah. powerful she got all the and good then, arrows and <laughs> yeah yeah yes and they got rid of her huge vulnerability to command and conquer because you get so many arrows now and you don't need these elemental cards that block two so you just throw two three blocks in front of c and c most of the time so yeah, yeah. i always forget Terra Sunders in this set too. Terra Sunders great. Rampart's great. Like that's honestly like the, the thing that's like sad about this. To, yeah, Oak and Old. Uh, like the thing that's like the most sad about this set to me, honestly, is that it didn't get time, or maybe the like the future heroes will get like more dedicated support for like exploring the different, I guess, elements of uh, all the different elemental cards because there's just like so many cool cards in here that like just didn't get the time to see play because the, all the heroes were the dual elements like i feel icelander really got to splash around in a, like a mono ice build but i'd love to see that for like a mono earth hero or a mono lightning hero just so like maybe channel thunderstep or whatever is like actually a really sweet card it's just like there was just never a reason to explore it while you had access to the other talents yeah i think it would be really cool to see more Arya heroes that are, or heroes that are like replacements to these heroes that are more reliant on their elements. I think Old Times hero ability in Winter's Well is actually very reliant on ice. And basically, like, after they banned all the th- reasons that you would play the elemental stuff in Old <laughs> it was sad. And he just looked like a, a Bravo deck with Tunic Crown and some more sixes, which was, and Slagmite, which was kind of sad. But I think Old Time was the closest to being like, pretty cool and elementally briar's ability not caring at all about elemental cards or cards of types is kind of i think a pretty big miss and then lexi's ability did matter and i think the elemental builds of lexi were pretty cool where like ice lexi was around and then you had the snapshot death dealer combo deck lexi that wasn't quite ever quite good enough but was still a cool deck in a a different direction and i think part of why it wasn't quite good enough was because ball lightning got banned but that's a whole nother whole nother can of worms (laughs) That ball but, lightning was in this set like it's just ba- banger. I mean, Rosetta Thorn. We haven't even we didn't even say Rosetta Thorn yet. Like, come on, just come on, dude. This set was like so yeah. so good. I I I agree with that. It was the most powerful set. I also agree that it was probably the prettiest set. I can't think of cards that I like looking at more than Aria cards. Though I honestly don't spend that much time looking at the art of cards, but the Aria cards are definitely yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah, it's just like hold on, hold on. Like, what, what would you, what would you rather look at? Like, uh, you know, Riftbind, you know, guy shadow. No, no, I don't want to look at Riftbind stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. We want to look at, we want to look at. Oh, we'll still put it back. Look at this. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> okay. What's your last lesson, okay. buddy? My last lesson is when you need a break, take a break. Don't let yourself get burnt out. I think. The end of, or towards the end of last year, when we had the kind of PT2 into nationals, into worlds, everything back to back to back, it it was a lot. I felt like I was really burnt out at the end of that. I just really was, was kind of done and kind of frustrated, <laughs> I guess, even like, even after having extremely like good performances at both events, I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready for a break from flesh and blood. And, I think that taking those breaks and even going back, I know there was uh, not everyone was happy we did this, but when we did the episode on sorcery, uh, it was just nice to take a break from flesh and blood. And now that 
I've had those breaks. I feel good about talking about Flesh and Blood. I'm, I'm taking some more time off for my birthday, but then after that, I'm ready to jump back in and get ready for Worlds. And I think that burnout's real, and this is something that we do because we enjoy it. It's a game. It's supposed to be fun. Spend a lot of money buying cards and traveling to events and stuff. And yeah, you should only do it when you're actually enjoying it, having a good time. And yeah, when you aren't, then take the breaks, take the time you need. And I feel like I have been much happier this last six months with how I've been engaged with flesh and blood than I kind of was when I was including our sorcery episode. If you really dialed in on flesh and blood when we made our sorcery episode. Dude, I felt great when we did the sorcery episode. I was taking a <laughs> was break. A good one. I mean, like I was, I was honestly, I thought people were going to be more upset than they were. And I thought we would, I thought our metrics would get a lot worse after we did that episode. So I was like a little bit worried about that, but taking the time off, I felt like the next episodes we did after that, I was, I was much in a much better headspace for recording flesh and blood after that. Hell yeah, dude. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad I got the sorcery Kickstarter. It was all worth it. Yeah, game sweet too. Still, still a million dollars, but the game sweet. <laughs> Beta's coming out in like two weeks. It's coming. Okay. Then in three years, when they've got sorcery tournaments going, oh, I'm ready. Hell yeah, Team Covenant. They're building. They're building. They keep posting status updates all the time. It's coming along. Are they, are they going to run big sorcery tournaments? Is that their plan? I think so. Maybe. We'll cool. see. I think they're going to host all kinds of different tournaments. Maybe we'll have to go to Tulsa and play some sorcery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And teach them about elephant ears. <laughs> Did you know what an elephant ear is? It's uh, it's the carnival food, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It like blew my a mind. big fried thing with a bunch of sugar on it. Yeah. Yeah, fried yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> when they were like, they've never heard of elephant ears uh, on our on the Discord. I was just like, I didn't even know that was like possible. Like, who? who I wonder what other Midwestern cuisine delights they're just missing out with over, you know, in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, what was your third lesson? I'm very smart. That's my. That's what I've learned. I'm. 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 I'm very smart. I don't. I don't know if you've noticed. Agreed. But, like, but that. I feel. Like, I feel like you were confident of this before this year. Yeah, but uh, passed the LSAT uh, with a with a pretty good score. Got into law school. That's that's a pretty good metric for proving that I'm smart. Uh, perfectly called all of the flesh and blood development cycles that have come into fruition. I get. I basically. Uh, during my time working for LSS, fixed all of design <laughs> for like the product engineering that they needed. Uh, so that was a really good accomplishment on my end for being very smart. Uh, I identified that wizards uh, at the start of the season were a little were better than people were giving them credit for, and that uh, anybody who put them like at like C tier or below were just objectively wrong and crazy. Because I had them in B tier, probably should have put them in A tier, but you know I. Uh, I'm not like perfectly smart. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just very smart, you know? Uh, I, I, think, just I think we both missed a little bit on Wizards because we both put Kano and Icelander next to each other. And that is not how it played out this format. Go on though, go on. That's Continue fair. on your ramble about how you're smart. <laughs> oh, if you insist. Um, <laughs> and just generally in like life uh, outside of flesh and blood, I feel like uh, I had some highs and lows and definitely challenges 
but I feel like I've handled everything that life has thrown at me and I'm still scrapping and ready for more and that I'm ready to keep using this big brain of mine to keep figuring out the problems as they come. So that's the lesson I learned. I'm finally ready to say I, I'm very smart. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Good job. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you believe in yourself now. That's awesome. Yeah, we have the power of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Dude, I knew you were smart forever ago. You told me to put stalagmite and turn timber in my Starbo deck and then boom. Yeah, one day I'll have like a good insight for like what I want to do in flesh and blood personally. Like that'll that'll be a good day. Uh, especially like, I guess like if they ever made Bolton cards functional, I'm pretty sure I could just pick out the perfect best Bolton cards at this point, like in my sleep. The problem is the perfect best 80 Bolton cards, uh, is still like a C tier deck. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. what are you, what are you going to do? Lexi's around. I remember when I, but like speaking of me, very smart, speaking of me being very, very smart. Do you remember when we first started buying in flesh and blood? Before I was getting into Bolton, do you remember the class I was getting into? Ranger. Because you liked three of a kind. Yes. Because I was like, this is busted. It's you're drawing three cards. This is like Ancestral Recall. Hello. It's like busted. (laughs) Lo and behold, I was right. Just just delayed a little bit. Because that card, like if they didn't ban three of a kind or something like that, like the more I've been thinking about it, I'm just like three. I, I haven't posted this on Twitter today where it's just like, the restriction on three of a kind just isn't high enough in Lexi. Like clearly, like it's just like, just not at this point. And fundamentally, Mm -hmm. like anybody who's ever played any card game is just like, yeah, drawing three cards for one card is just broken. Like there's, it's not, it's not even, it doesn't even cost like three resources. It costs one resource and you draw three cards. And if it's downside, isn't a downside, like, or you're just like able to play around it with like very little or minimal, like impact to your deck. It's just, it's just a fundamentally game-breaking stupid broken card and like we've just been seeing that like uh, we just watched the university episode where it's just like oh, oh lexi's on two cards after blocking out a viscerai turn oh she probably won't be able to i'll, I'll just tunic three of a kind there's like a 20 damage turn. <laughs> like it wasn't a 20 like, damage me, turn, like, but yeah. 15 uh, sure sure three three of a kind just the fact that you spend a card and a resource for three cards, you're just going plus a card. And assuming the resource you pitched was either a blue or a tunic, you're like gaining a card and two thirds of a card for the drawback of you can't play cards from your hand for this turn. So just like it's almost a free one and two thirds card, which that's, that's, that's a lot of free cards and you get to do that three times in a game. So yeah, it's powerful. just a free two cards when you cast it off of tunic though like when you go tunic three of a kind well, you're, you're just you're just you're just trading you're just going up two whole cards spending your tunic which your tunic resource is worth a third of a card sure you're spending a third of a card okay sure okay but, uh, the card's busted the card's dumb like uh, it's just it's just like people can play to rain razors or codex or something like that sure they're very powerful cards i don't disagree but like i think subtly the the, the engine that makes lexi stupidly broken like most of the time is one voltaire free action points sure nobody wants that but okay we won't ban voltaire two three of a kind because you know what else is the messed up thing about three of a kind is when you draw three cards it draws you closer to your next three of a kind so then you're just closer to your next one and then oh look at that i drew a bunch more cards and then look at that 
I'm closer to my next three of a kind. And then look at that. Now I'm through my pitch deck because I've drawn nine more cards than you this game. So uh, I hit my second cycle and my pitch deck sooner than you did. So you're also dead. And it's like, oh, cool. I'm glad you got to play this card. You also have your codex that gives you the ponder token, which gets you back to your pitch stack faster too, because you get an extra card for that. Yeah. Lexi draws and a lot of cards. Seeker effects. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Lexi is like built in card advantage. Like forget to put the action points, put the the on hits, put all of that to the side. Just like like the card advantage, the raw rate at which she goes through cards is stupid. Like it's just it's just not so, okay. Uh, but this, this just made me think of something. This is There's another hero that was quite powerful that saw a lot of extra cards and got access to easy action points repeatedly. Hmm. Huh. I wonder who that would be. <laughs> that also was considered at this point. The, best, the best hero in the game for quite a while. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So so cards, cards plus action points. It's a good recipe for being good in flesh and blood when you get extra cards and extra action yeah. points. Turns out. Who knew? That's why Bolton's not good. He only gets the action points. He only gets all the yeah, action he spe- points. He has to spend the cards for action points. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he gets he gets Give. negative cards. Negative cards for more action. But it's not a very good it's not a very good exchange, actually. Now now give Bolton a card that says draw two cards, charge one of them. Well, maybe it'll be pretty good, because then you'll be getting cards and action points. Yeah. Or just like uh draw three cards. You can only play cards with charge this turn. It's just like, okay, like, sure. Like, is that even a real restriction at that point? Like, like, and that's the point about three of a kind. Like, its restriction isn't even a real restriction in Lexi. Like, in Azalea or heroes that have access to, like, bows that are more restrictive, sure, it's a real restriction, and they have a much harder time utilizing all the cards that are giving them off of three of a kind. Lexi has no issue. And she especially had no issue with, like, bullseye bracers. It was, like, trivial with bullseye bracers. Now she has to, like, work, like, maybe a little bit harder with it. But, like, then it still turns, like, all the Bolton shot, like... Uh, reload effects into like real on hits on the three of a kind turn because nobody wants to be the person that's like yeah no blocks on your uh, Bolton shot and then they load in another three of a kind or some kind of codex or some other powerful card they draw off their three of a kind that they would have been able to play otherwise and just like now they're playing that now too so dumb card I hate it yeah Voltaire synergy with Bolton shot and Bullseye Bracer synergy with Bolton shot is also quite quite good and did do quite a bit to make your three of a kinds better. Fallen shot having a really impactful on hit during your three of a kind turns. Yeah. Now all that needs to happen and, really is enchanting melody needs to be broken, and then I will be <sighs> uh, as soon as as soon as somebody breaks enchanting melody, it's just like game over. All my flesh and blood takes will be objectively I, right at that point. Enchanting melody will never be broken. It might be a card that because x enough things line up correctly where you need a non-attack you need this damage prevention and that might it might see fringe play as like a tool because you need these specific you specifically need a non-attack that prevents damage but on rate it's just so bad two resources in a card to stop four is just that's that's not a good rate it's not what you want to see you can prevent four damage for zero with sick blow and fate for seed or for one with oasis respite so you're saying two damage or two resources and a card is like a bad rate for four prevention? Yes. Okay, that explains why the angels suck. The angels are just fancy enchanting melody at the end of the day. 
angels don't cost a card, right? Because you like yeah, with, they do. You have to have the card in your soul. A, sure, a card in soul is worth less than a card in hand usually, though. Sure, but like it still takes <laughs> some exchange of cards. Yeah, like, sure, you can tutor them for free out of the deck. You're not you're not paying that 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 rate. But like, you need some kind of card in your hand to go into the special magical special zone. And then you need that card in the special magical special super soul zone to go into a different zone in order to t- play your enchanting melody. You're just you're just going through hoops for your I, enchanting melody. I believe the angels are better than enchanting melody by a reasonable margin, but I do think I they think, cost much more I than think just two resources. A small margin, I, but that's also because <laughs> I'm very low on angels and I'm very high on enchanting melody, so I don't think there's much difference between the two cards. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have not played a lot of New Prism. I think if she had 40 health, then maybe she'd be very strong. So I suspect. Wait, 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 wait. I need to see one last objective. Roger's the smartest person in the world. Objective test right now. Game, living legend. Dromai. Okay, she picked up some living legend points this season. She's at 230 points, but she's still only at 230 points. That's that's pretty close to the unplayable. She only, like Dorinthia has more living legend points than Dromai. Bravo does, Katsu does, Phi does, Viserai does, Dash. Like she's 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 pretty unplayable. <laughs> I think you named a lot of heroes that have been around for a lot longer than her and Phi, who was I I, I realized that halfway through saying that, that I, I wasn't gonna talk I wasn't gonna talk about that. <laughs> like, like you can compare, <laughs> like look at Dromai versus Bolton, who has more living legend points, or Dromai versus Levia. Uh, what, what did I, it's what it's about, close. It's what close. About, it's what about Dromai versus two eighteen. But but that Bolton yeah. beat. What about Dromai versus any of the heroes that came out after her? <laughs> okay, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. One day. Hopefully, all this Lexi talk. We're gonna look silly. We're gonna look silly for all this Lexi talk because. Uh, they probably already said what they're no going to do with Lexi. Either no bands and I don't know. I If they do no bands, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. People already know by the time they're listening to this. So yay yeah. or boo. We'll see. <laughs> you guys know which one I'm voting or I'm, I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the next time you're unhappy about bands or happy about bands, always remember 